This is Namina's Mental Health Mavens, where each week we bring you guests from the mental health and holistic care community to talk about different mental health issues and treatment modalities. Now, guest opinions are their own, and some content might be triggering. But here at Nomina, we treat more complex treatment-resistant mental health and addiction, so we know the importance of making exceptional mental health accessible to everyone. With that, today's guest is our very own Dan Calco, Clinical Director at Nomina Winnipeg, who is here to talk with us about forest therapy. Now, I've been doing forest bathing, as it's also known, and it has changed my life. So let's welcome Dan. Welcome back, Dan. I have been seeing a lot of stuff in the news about green prescriptions, and I know that you do forest therapy, uh, so I thought we would have you on to chat a little bit about what's that? What's forest therapy and these green prescriptions? Well, it's one of the things that we've kind of known for a long time um, that's finally making its way into the mainstream. And simply put, it's the benefits, physiological and the psychological benefits of spending time in Mother Nature that we can see and we can measure with science. So the medical community is now getting on board with um, being able to prescribe time in Mother Nature, time in the forest, time in green spaces uh, to help people through certain ailments. I did a blog post for us, and I was shocked at the amount of research that is out there right now supporting the benefits of it. Yeah, and, and I think in my own training, and my own research, I found that the, it really started to become scientifically uh, documented in the 1980s in Japan. And that's where really this big idea of forced bathing is what they call it, forced therapy, forced bathing comes from. Shinrin Yoku is what the Japanese call it. And they found out, they did a whole bunch of studies in the 80s, and they found out that people were getting more sick, more depressed. They were finding increases in cancers and all sorts of physical ailments as well as psychological ailments. And that corresponded with a huge push of urbanization. So lots of people coming from the country into the city, spending less and less time out in Mother Nature. So what they did is they took their scientists and they looked at what happened when they put people back in Mother Nature and they did all sorts of tests, saliva tests, they did blood tests, they did heart rate, blood pressure, all sorts of stuff to take a look at um, whether or not they could measure any kind of discernible change uh, by people spending three, four hours in Mother Nature. And what they found was that, yes, actually, you can decrease stress levels uh, and they are measurable in our bloodstream, in our saliva. Cortisol levels go down, adrenaline levels go down, heart rate goes down, blood pressure goes down. All of the things associated with relaxation improves when we put human beings back in Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah, I was astonished at the benefits of it. And I know for myself personally, since I got a puppy and I I have to walk them every single day and I yeah. moved to this beautiful new city that has so much green space and nature and pathways and yeah. forests and rivers, how incredible I feel as a result of being yeah. out every day. Yeah, and I think that goes intrinsically with what we know. Everybody dreams about that cottage on the lake or that secluded cottage in the mountains. And we we go camping, we go fishing, we go canoeing, we spend time in nature as our as our release, as our escape, our escape from the city. And I think that's just hardwired inside of us is that when we want to go relax, 
we go camping, we go to the cottage, we go to the lake. Um, and now we're just finally starting to get on board in terms of the science and the medical community. Well, I know that forest therapy is something we can do on our own, but it's always better with a guide. So can you maybe walk us through the process? Yeah, for sure. So um, there are formalized courses now that teach guides uh, on how to conduct forest therapy. I did one of those courses. Um, and it's uh, the course is very, very interesting. I uh, highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in becoming a guide for forest therapy. But you learn how to experience the forest therapy before you learn how to conduct or facilitate the forest therapy. And I can just tell you that after a week of meditating in the woods for seven days, you come out there feeling like a new person. It was very, very interesting to really help switch off those parts of the brain that tend to disconnect us from ourselves and from Mother Nature. And I think that's one of the biggest things is a trained, uh, experienced guide will help facilitate that shutoff. We really want to shut down that prefrontal cortex, that, that part of our brain that does all the thinking. Those are taxes, tells us that we need to buy groceries and, and how to drive from our house to, the, to work or to the store. We really want to shut that part down. And that's really important because it allows the other parts of our brain, the feeling parts of our brain, to really come to the forefront and shine and connect. And that's where you get emotional balance. That's where you get self-regulation. Um, and you use the forest as that kind of facilitator to help you with that. Because yeah, I know myself, I've tried. Obviously, I did the blog post, so I've got some of the basics down. But that monkey brain, I can't. It's really hard to shut that off myself. And, and I'm not sure, am I doing it right? Am I getting the most out of this that I possibly can? Yeah, I guess there's no wrong way to do forest therapy if you're doing it by yourself. Just like you said, uh, you're just spending time out with the puppy taking it for walks every day. You're already feeling better. And I think that's the point that we want to focus on is that simply being in green spaces will give us benefits. Now we can increase those benefits by having people guide and facilitate us. But if you don't have access to one or and find one or there's a cost prohibitive thing out there, there's a bunch of books out there, there's a blog posts out there, there's a bunch, a whole bunch of information out there that can help you through that as well. But but like you said, like I'm I'm reinforcing, it is much better if you have someone who's trained because they they know what your brain wants to do and they know ways to help encourage it to not do that. Yeah, yeah. And we say white or uh, green spaces, white spaces as well, because we're Canadian, we're a Canadian company. So this applies, I'm sure, in the winter and in the six feet of snow and 40 below as well. It does, true. And we, we do say green space kind of like it's like a green prescription is what they call it. Um, another term that's come out lately is pink noise. Uh, which is much more of those natural sounds as opposed to white noise, which is like that annoying, like that, <laughs> that, that sounds like it could be on static. Pink noise is much more of like the birds chirping and the trees and the reeds, tree, uh, leaves rustling. Those are those things that uh, we do. But yeah, for sure, white is important, right? So there's a lot of research on colors and how seeing different colors in our mind affects our mental state. For example, green has a very calming and soothing effect our brain but most of the natural colors do too so blue blue is very calming uh the different shades of brown can be very grounding um there's the yellows and the 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 vibrant reds and that we see in the fall so it's not just green space but those colors uh the colors of nature are the ones that we've learned and our brain has adapted 
to relax and rest and recuperate. Right. You did a color meditation that I will, I will link because uh, I found that very, I loved that meditation. It was great. And one of the benefits about this too is, uh, especially over the last two years where we've seen some pretty stringent lockdowns, is sometimes you can't go out into public spaces. You can't go out into green spaces. Like I know in BC, they actually closed all the provincial parks there for a period of time, a short period of time. But you can um, use images. Images, most people have computers now. You can set your background as trees or the ocean. Or Most people kind of already do this anyway when they're, they're kind of windowless people at work if, they've, if they're unfortunate enough to have one of those scenarios is that they have a green space in the background because even the sight of that color and the sight of that environment can help stimulate those relaxation parts of the brain. You can visualize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can visualize too uh, in your brain. So you can close your eyes and you could, you, your brain knows what those, those colors and those images look like uh, if, if you've seen them before and you can recall them. They can, they can be brought back up um, to help you. But it's not just sight too. It's sound as well. So one of the things Forest therapists will, will do uh, the guides will help you in connecting with all of your senses. And one of the interesting parts about forest therapy is that it's kind of out there sometimes. It's it's at the point where you're literally hugging trees. Um, and we don't want to forget about the other senses. So sight is very important. We talked about the color, the way that we react to color, but smell, smell is very important. Everybody knows what forest smells like in, in the fall or uh, the ocean smells like or a lake or a crisp uh, snowy day uh, after a big snowfall we have those other senses the sound of, of crunching leaves the sound of crunching snow the sound of birds chirping um, sometimes you can even taste the air when you breathe through your mouth uh, depending on what's what's there so it's really about connecting with all of those different senses to to really ground and center us there's a lot of there's some interesting research out there that talks about uh, walking barefoot in the forest. Mm. And it talks about how you can rebalance the charge in your body as you build up a positive charge throughout the day, connecting with the ground by physically touching it with your hands or your feet, they say can help uh, rebalance that. And by reducing that uh, strain on the central nervous system, we get relaxation. Same with uh, being close to an ocean. There's a lot of negative, tra- negative charged ions in the air, a lot of salt in the air, we smell that has an effect on our body and those effects are predominantly common. Yeah. I've been to a salt room before and they're very interesting. And, and I've heard that about the ocean. Yeah. Well, I know it's been life changing for me. So. One of the things that's important to remember is that this is something that we've known as human beings forever. And one of the parallels I like to draw is that in kind of prehistoric times, uh, in what they used to call caveman times, people didn't live in caves. They slept in caves. They lived outside. And now, today, most people, unless you have an outside job, most people that live in urbanized scenarios or situations tend to spend more time inside than people in prehistoric times ever did. And that has a big effect on us, even in terms of vitamin D deficiencies. Um, I was just reading a paper the other day that said North Americans are some of the most vitamin D deficient people in the world. And that's because we spend so little time outside. We go from our house to our garage, to our car, 
to an underground garage or office and back. And if you have a dog, well, then you spend 20 minutes, half an hour or whatever it is outside. But really, you've spent maybe 10% of your day outside. Makes it really hard for us to be able to to reap those benefits of of being outside because we were kind of we've evolved into being in touch with our our surroundings, our nature. Yeah, because of all of this, we actually just bought an outdoor living set with a sectional, and I found a way to work my computer so that I can sit outside and work outside yeah. on the deck. So I'm just outside. And that, that's ingenious. Uh, it, the air is fresher, right? We don't get the recirculated air. Uh, there's no off-gassing outside. The furniture that you get, the carpets, all the paint, the, all of that off-gasses. And unless you have really, really good air circulation, that'll affect you. Being outside, you have much less of that, obviously, depending where you live. But um, the more time you spend outside, the more you'll be able to reap those those benefits and not only is the fresh air, you're listening to the sound of the birds and the, the, the bees and the flies and, and everything out there that's really triggering all those other senses. You feel the on your skin, you smell the, the pollen in the air or the fragrances of the flowers or the trees. It all has an impact and that impact is bringing everything down. Yeah. Yeah. That was the most life-changing part is I used to run with earbuds in all the time. And now, now I don't, because it's such a big part of the experience to be able to hear everything. That's something that you notice in general when people are outside uh, public transit, walking anywhere in those public spaces, they tend to always have those earbuds in it to take a look. The next time you're out there, you'll see a large percentage of the population walks around in a constantly stimulated state. But those, that stimulation is, is prefrontal cortex stimulation, right? That's all of that like monkey mind, like you said. When you take it out and you listen to those other sounds, you have that, that calming benefit, that, that stress reductive benefit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anything that you want to add in closing? Yeah, I think um, one of the really big benefits of spending time in nature is um, the improvement on our immune system. So science has shown for the past 40 years that spending time in nature improves immune function. So uh, there's this complicated relationship, but trees give off a chemical called a phytoncide, which is kind of like their self-defense mechanism. They don't really have teeth or claws or anything to protect themselves against um, predators or, or insects or pests. They give off this chemical that's supposed to repel that. Well, something about our evolution has created a symbiosis between us and the trees or Mother Nature that actually improves our um, NK cell count. So NK are natural killer uh, cells, so they're like the, the broad spectrum antibody that we have in our body that runs around and and kills things that shouldn't be there. Um, and a lot of the science that's out there shows that when you spend two three hours in in nature those NK cells in, increase or become more effective. And so the, those are the ones that go after like precancerous cells or they go after um, bacteria or virus, viral infections that not yet have taken hold. So spending time in Mother Nature with that symbiotic relationship that we have with the trees and the plants actually makes us healthier. Yeah, so we really should hug trees. We should hug trees. Oh, except for my irrational fear of spiders, which maybe we can do a video on next. 
<laughs> we can. Yeah. We can definitely talk about that. But you can take a good inspection of the tree before you hug it. Yeah. But yeah. I recommend all the time to go hug a tree. Like literally go hug a tree because not only are you smelling it, you're touching it, you're seeing it. I would not recommend you taste it, but you're feeling it, right? So you're engaging all, almost all of the senses there. Um, so it, it's very beneficial to go hug a tree. And when you hug trees, you're less likely to want to cut them down. True. Well, I am actually going for a dog walk next. So I will, well, be, enjoy. I will, I will hug a tree. I'm going to do it. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, enjoy. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks.